Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. You have your Bibles tonight. You can turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We're looking at a few... Uh, a short passage here tonight, familiar passage, John 12, verses 20 through 26. Amen. As you turn with me there tonight, there's a man by the name of Josephus. I'm sure you've probably heard of him, heard of him. Those that do not know of him, he is a, a Jewish historian. It's uh, somebody that biblical uh, uh, researchers and and, and Historians have looked to because him, him, uh, Josephus himself, he was a Jewish historian, uh, and and he 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 recorded a lot of useful information about events that happened after the life of Jesus Christ. He was born shortly after Jesus died, uh, but he documented most notably the Jewish-Roman wars that took place during the first century A.D about 30 years after Jesus' death. Uh, and according to him, there was a very dramatic event that occurred at the first Jewish-Roman War where the Romans had conquered most of Israel, had pushed the, uh, the remaining rebels of the Jewish uh, people to the very border of the nation. They pushed them down to the eastern side of the Judean desert, and uh, this is far southeast corner of the state or the nation, uh, and at that place they're backed up uh, at to the Dead Sea, and in that place specifically, uh, there was a fortified plateau, and it was uh, called and still is called today by the name Masada. Masada uh, is still today one of the, the most visited places in Israel by tourists. Uh, but what it is, is, is it's a plateau of land, and it's, it's got cliffs on the side. And back in this time, it was actually uh, developed by Herod the Great. This is the Herod in the Gospels. The Herod was uh, the, the ruler of the time, the ruler of the Jews of the time, and uh, in Israel at the time of Jesus, and he developed this site called Masada. He developed his two palaces on that land, uh, and so the 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 Romans during this war they pushed the last remaining rebels of the Jews down to this place. They went down to Masada, uh, and the conclusion of this event was that the rebels ended up committing mass suicide. There was about nine hundred or so some odd. Jewish rebels left, and they decided that instead of being conquered by the Romans, they were going to kill themselves. It's what Masada was known is still known for today. 
Uh, but before they killed themselves, they destroyed all the storehouses in the area uh, because this is, norm- this is normal warfare tactics. When your, your enemy is coming to take over your land, usually you will burn farms, you'll burn crops, you'll destroy all the supplies so they can't get them. And so this is what they did. There were storehouses full of food and, and all types of things in this area. They destroyed it all. That is all except for uh, one storehouse that was spared. Fast forward, this was right around, uh, as again, uh, the first century. This is about 2,000 years ago. Fast forward to 1963, archaeologists were excavating Herod the Great's palace at Masada. And as they did this, they discovered a storehouse. They dug around, they discovered this. They discovered the storehouse that they left undestroyed. Inside of that storehouse, they found a jar. Inside of that jar, they found seeds from the Judean date tree. Uh, This tree uh, had, at this point in time, been extinct for hundreds of years. The last known account or suspected accounts of Judean date trees existing on the planet were from the 15th century. And... uh, So inside of this jar, they found these preserved seeds from this extinct tree. These seeds themselves were about 2,000 years old. And uh, the dates, they're they're famous. These trees were famous. They're especially famous during biblical times because it was a a main crop of uh, the the land of Israel. And uh, it was something that brought in trade and trafficking and trade. Uh, and so uh, th- this tree actually is the, uh, the name in the Jewish uh, uh, or in Hebrew uh, is Tamar. It's actually the name that David used to name his daughter uh, Tamar because of, his, of her beauty. Uh, and so it's a very famous tree, but again, it's been extinct for hundreds of years. But anyways, these, these seeds, they were found in 1963. Forty years they have been sitting in storage, and along came a woman by the name of Eline uh, Soloway. 2005, she had the crazy idea that, you know what? Why don't we try to grow these seeds? And so she petitioned the museum that was keeping them uh, for a long period of time. They finally released them to her. She went to her friend who was a specialist, a botanist, uh, and she gave her these seeds to try to uh, grow them. Lo and behold, one of these seeds began to sprout. They allowed it to grow. They uh, planted it. Uh, at one point in time, they were a little concerned about its health, but eventually it overcame what it was struggling with. Uh, and today, it is about 11 feet tall, and it has produced... Uh, 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 pollen because they discovered it was actually a male tree Uh, they named this tree Methuselah uh, after uh, Noah's grandfather the oldest man in the Bible then they went and they took some more of these seeds that they had they ended up growing some more found that they were able to grow female trees they ended up using Methuselah's pollen they pollinated uh, these other female trees Today, they have harvested Judean dates 
once again uh, from this extinct species of tree. Uh, right now, they've only used it so far for research, but they're going to eventually, the plans are they're going to develop this for, uh, again, to be uh, harvested, sold as a crop. Uh, very fascinating story. 2,000-year-old seeds buried in the dirt, one day dug up, put into the ground, became fruit-bearing trees. You know, something very interesting to me about this story, though, is that for all these years, there was this desirable fruit, right, that at one point in time the world came all around to come purchase, and people would still have loved to have had, but it was just hidden away with nothing but potential, it, was in t- it wasn't until that seed was found, was hydrated, and put into the ground, planted into the earth, that it finally released its potential to the world. And we still don't know and have not realized the full potential of that seed yet. But here it is all this time, just tucked away, lying dormant, not helping, not providing its fruit for anybody until the moment it is put into the ground. John 12, 20 through 26, you can read along with me. It says this, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has not come uh, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but it is, uh, if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. I'm going to minister a message here tonight I've entitled, Seeds That Bear Fruit. Seeds That Bear Fruit. We're going to begin this evening as we consider this verse, and that is the potential of a seed. You know, You have to consider this point, this passage, what's happening here. As it was all throughout Jesus' ministry, you have to understand that at this point in time, Jesus was the most popular person around. Right? There was not a name that would trigger your attention the way that Jesus did in that day and age. Right? It was who everybody was talking about. Right? There was not a bigger celebrity of Jesus' time except for him. And so he was the person to be around. He was somebody that people were attracted to. He was a popular person. Matthew 4, 24 says, Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them, right? He wasn't just popular for namesake, right? He didn't have some kind of 
dancing, singing talent that everybody was flocking to him about. It was he had real uh, uh, value that he could bring to people's lives. He had something that people were attracted to because he was going to meet the needs of their life. He was a popular individual because of that. Jesus, he cast out demons at one point in time from a herd of pigs. And the Bible tells us that the owners of the pigs went out and told the entire city about what he did. This same situation then happened several other times. Jesus casting out demonic powers and spirits and his fame, it says, immediately went throughout the land. This is what built his popularity. Ultimately, though, this is what Jesus got in trouble for. Right, His popularity actually became a threat to the other religious leaders, those that were trying to be popular and, and get notoriety. This is what caused them to uh, attack him the way they did. And so in our text this evening, we're gonna, this, is, this is just, I'm laying a foundation to understand. This is why this certain people, these Greeks in our text, they had a desire to come and see Jesus because they had heard of what Jesus was doing and what he had to offer. Our text, verse 20, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I have no doubt tonight that the reason why these individuals, these Greeks, came seeking to see Jesus was most likely because they had heard what Jesus is able to do and possibly they had a need of their own. Jesus, as I said, he was well known. He was a miracle worker, right? He miraculously provided for people in many different situations. He delivered people from demonic powers that bound their lives. He was a healer of diseases and infirmities. And so perhaps tonight, these, this is what drew these people to the fame of Jesus, is maybe they had some type of individual need that only Jesus could meet. Maybe perhaps they had loved ones that they needed Jesus to meet the need of their lives. Today, in our day and age, this is still the case. This is still what brings people to Jesus Christ, is still the needs of their lives. They've heard that perhaps Jesus could do something for them that they can't find the answer for anywhere else. Right? They've heard of Him doing things in other people's lives, and perhaps He could do it for them, set them free from bondages, set them free from addictions, heal the brokenness of their heart, provide needs in their life, whatever they face. The trouble in our text though, this evening, consider though, uh, that these Greeks, these Greek people were facing, is as they tried to come see Jesus, there were some obstacles in their way. Right? The first obstacle was Space, right? They were from Greece. Jesus was in Israel. And so there was distance of land they had to cross in order to uh, get to Jesus, right? 
you know, that, that was a real issue for people in Jesus' day and age, right? There was the obstacle of location, right? No doubt people all over the land, all over the, the world perhaps, had heard of Jesus' fame, and no doubt they had their own needs, but there was this obstacle of getting to Jesus in order for him to meet their needs. These people, these Greeks, they, they perhaps were able to actually get to, G, to where Jesus was, which is something mo- what most people were not able to do. Right? They no doubt had some money. They were able to take some time off of work to travel, uh, to get to Jesus, and this is not something that everybody would be able to have been able to do at that time. It was an obstacle. They were able to get overcome it, but not all everybody was able to. The second obstacle, though, what it makes mention of here tonight, that these Greeks encountered as they tried to reach Jesus, was not only that the land that they had across in between them and Jesus, says that there was actually then also people in between them and Jesus. Verse 21 and 22, Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew told Philip, uh, Philip and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Amen. Right, there's people that were in between them and Jesus. This is still a truth today. When people want to come to Jesus, usually they come through people, right? When people want to know Jesus, they go to people that they know know Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Amen. And so there was people in the way, but the trouble was that these people that these guys came to to see Jesus, the trouble was is that these people eventually were not even able to connect them to Jesus. Verse 23, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. 
right? When they came to Jesus and said, hey, there's some guys out here that want to see you, Jesus basically said, they can't see me right now. Or I'm not going to see. The hour has not yet come. And so he did not see them. And so the great tragedy of this whole situation, right, was that there were people that most likely had needs in their life that only Jesus would be able to help them with. And the end of the story, those needs were not able to be met. The obstacles were not overcome. They were not able to get to Jesus. There was potential for them, but because the potential was not released, it was not able to help them. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this tonight. right? Jesus is the potential for their lives. They come close, but the potential is not realized. They were not able to reach it. Secondly, we're going to consider potential released. This whole situation of our, our story tonight, it, it makes uh, it seem like Jesus was not interested in helping these people. Right? He basically turned them away, said, no, not now. Verse 23, but Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. In other words, it sounded like Jesus was turning them away. He changed the subject. But then Jesus further explains what he's talking about. Verse 24, he explains his decision. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. What Jesus was doing is he was giving them insight about what was happening in his mind, in his heart, and he was giving them some insight about the bigger picture. Right? He, he's, he's dealing with these people that are coming to them with one person's individual needs. But yet there's a higher perspective that Jesus is considering in the moment. And he's considering about how he's going to meet the needs of more than just those few. He was speaking about an event that had not happened yet. An event, though, that would release his potential, not only to help these specific people that came to him at that moment, but he was thinking about something that was going to ha- about to happen that needed to happen in order for him to be able to reach all people everywhere forever. Jesus wasn't saying that he didn't want to help these people in that moment. He was saying that he has plans to not only help them, but many more. Right? See, consider this. The fruit of Jesus' life, the potential of what Jesus could do in an individual at that point in time was limited. It was limited to where Jesus was at any given point in time. Right? You had to come to Jesus in order for your need to be met. You had to be, uh, he had to perhaps cross your path, see you. You had to make some kind of interaction with Jesus in order for him to meet the need 
of your life. It was restricted to a specific location in time in a specific moment. It was like he was a tree, right, that gives fruit. And the only way to get the fruit of that tree is to go to that tree to pick its fruit. It's restricted to one place at one period of time. But the bigger picture that he was trying to communicate was that he wanted to expand his impact. And just how that a seed from a tree needs to be carried away, fall to the ground and die to itself in order to produce new trees with new fruit is what he had to do in order to expand his influence. He would have to do the same. He ultimately was talking, we know tonight, about the need for himself to be taken away, be put to death on the death of a cross. Himself, he is that seed that needed to die to self in order to release his full potential. John twelve thirty two and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. He's talking about the need of the crucifixion in order to draw all people to himself. Right, Jesus understood he could only help the people that he was in contact to with And he was not okay with that. He was not going to accept that. In order for Jesus to offer the fruit of his life, the full potential of what he could do for the entire world and in every generation was he had to die so that the Holy Spirit could be released to the earth in order to reach all people at any time, at any place, without limits. Right? Jesus was limited to One place at one time, now since he has died, he's risen from the grave, he's ascended, the Holy Spirit has come to the earth, and now anybody at any point in time can get saved, and and that's not limited to one person at a time. Spirit of God is omnipresent, and is able to do far greater things than what Jesus was able to do in his ministry on the earth. But that potential of what he could be required his death in order for it to come to pass. So we're going to consider tonight, finally, seeds that bear fruit. We need to understand something about this passage. And that is that the whole point of this passage was Jesus was giving a lesson on how to be fruitful. Jesus concluded this whole lesson about how he is going to be die, uh, going to be fruitful by dying to himself by saying that anyone who wants to be fruitful like him needs to do the same. Verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so the point is that fruitfulness is not a result of self-preservation. 
This is the story of the Judean date palm, the seeds that were stored for 2,000 years. They were stored in the storehouse in perfect conditions, perfect climate, so that they could be preserved. And as long as they were there, they were able to be preserved. And that was great. It preserved their lives for all that time. But they never became anything more than what they were. Their potential was never released. It was never known. It took, after 2,000 years, them being put into the ground, dying to themselves, in order to produce and release their potential. This is a lesson on how to be fruitful, specifically in our text. Jesus is giving this lesson to his followers. Right? He's talking to his fruit about how to be fruitful. This passage is started with people outside of relationship with God, trying to get to God, and they came to God's followers, Christians of that time, to get to Him. Right? This is how the passage started. Jesus concluded this teaching to His followers uh, on how to continue what He already started by saying that you also need to die to self. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. In other words, do what Jesus does, die to self, and God will make you fruitful. This speaks to having the same favor that Jesus had when he was demonstrating the power of God at work in through his life. Right? This is part of fruitfulness. It's having favor with God. Right? God moving on your behalf. Right? This is something that manifests in different areas of your life. Stuff that just comes together. The blessing of God, the favor of God, it's evident. It's something that comes together as you minister to people, as you pray for people, the fruitfulness of God. It's something that was in Jesus' ministry. The reason why Jesus could do the things he did, why he could heal, why he could deliver, why he could provide uh, supernaturally, all came down to this very thing. He had favor with God because of his self-denial. The same principle is true for all Christians here this evening. Dying to self, self-denial, it's a principle that exists in all of life. It's a topic that's been popularized recently, a lot of books written on the subject. It's called delayed gratification. The truth about self-denial is that it's just like a savings account. Every time you deny yourself, it's like you're, you're, you're putting uh, that satisfaction, that small temporary satisfaction into an account that builds interest so that later on you can take out a much greater satisfaction. 
It's the principle that uh, it's what dieting and working out is all about, right? Saying no in the little things so that later on you can have a better experience. Denying yourself in the small areas so that later on you can have a greater outcome, a greater satisfaction. Same principle in saving money. And so the point is that in denying your own selfish interest in life as a Christian, your own self-preservation, right? This is what most of the Christian world is hung up on. Right? Christians in our day and age, it's not about self-denial. It's about self-preservation. How big can I get my barns? Instead, Denying yourself, serving God, there is a much greater reward, both for you and for others. Right? The key to fruitfulness in your life specifically comes down to this dying to self. The key to being fruitful and helping other people comes down to this dying to self. There's no way around it. Fruitfulness requires death. Many Christians, when they don't experience fruitfulness, begin to question if there's something wrong with the seed. Right? This is this is the 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 devil's uh, strongest. I believe what he's he's taken more people out with. Right? People get discouraged because they're not fruitful. They're not growing as a Christian. They're not producing as a Christian. And so what the devil says, oh, well, it's because there's something wrong with the seat. Right? It's, it's something wrong with what you're believing in. And so this idea, this planted thought will shipwreck many people's lives. But the truth is, and what comes out in this story of this 2,000-year-old Judean date seed is that there's no problem with what with the seed. The seed has everything it needs. It is what it is. Its potential is there. The issue is with the seed dying to itself. Fruitfulness comes from dying to self. Seeds that bear fruit are seeds that deny themselves. Amen. Let's bow our heads here tonight. Just a few more moments of your time. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.